Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Descent into Avernus, which has just released, and some lore of Eberron. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Oh, you're muted? I can't hear you. Oh, there we go. There it goes. Yep. Sir barks a lot is happening right now. Uh, As uh, the dogs decide at noon to make their first bark of the day, which is perfect. There you go. (laughs) All right, but I think we're having a great show. Minus the barking, we will have a wonderful show. I am also dog sitting, so or not that you're dog sitting. That's probably just your dogs. But I have a dog next to me here, my sister's dog. So uh, we'll see if uh, the cat and and the dog uh, get in a little scuffle. That's why I have the door shut. So hopefully that they they won't. But keep them separated. Yeah, but they'll they'll start <laughs> whining here in a minute, and I'm gonna have to get up. Um, yeah, so we're a D&D talk show. We kind of talk about news and the games that we're playing. And I didn't play a lot of games this week because I am busy with a show. Shame on Jordan. Um, but we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I guess in the news, um, there was a lot of, a lot of talk about, uh, this, the, the, Eberron Rising from the Last War, that book that's coming out. So Descent into Avernus is out. Correct. Um, it is right here, and I got my copy. And um, I also got the dice. Did you get the dice, or have you seen those Dem- dice? Nope, just doing the book this time around. Um, normally, I don't get the dice because they've never really intrigued me. The Tomb of Annihilation set seemed pretty cool, but I didn't particularly like how they looked, but I liked the container that they were in. Um mm-hmm. I was watching a review online and they were saying that every time they make dice for a new storyline product, it's been getting better and better and better. And this is the one where I really feel like it is getting like it was it was good enough that I was really excited to buy it. Um, and it came with a little felt lined box so that you could roll your dice in. And it came with 2D. All oh, the dice were just like these nice brimstone looking smoky red, uh, red and orange. So I really like them. And I threw them in my regular dice bag. So I'm going to use them tomorrow when I play D&D. But I'm excited. Nice. It should be fun. Don't you just pick like one set to use when you when you pick your game or you just throw them in a big bag and you just whatever you grab at the time is what you grab? Um, because I like to roll, especially damage. Um, when I roll damage, I like to roll all of the dice at once and add them up rather than one at a time. So I've got like three different dice sets, now four with my Avernus dice that I put in there um, so that I can grab like, oh, like I have a fireball of 68 or some or 8d6 and then I can grab 8d6s and roll them all at once. So um, and with my... Uh, and for me, it's D8s because I'll have a D8 for my, my weapon and a D8 for certain spells and things like that. So uh, I need lots of D8s when I play my game, <laughs> when I play <laughs> D&D, with, when I'm rolling a character. I have a different set of dice for when I'm a dungeon master, but uh, that's 
just because I'm not superstitious, but I just have my, my routines of like, these are my dungeon master's dice and these are my player dice. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited, but I got that, which uh, is the first for me. Um, but I really like the quality of the product. I think it's really cool. And I think they did a really good job with this set of dice this time. So around. you've read through the book then how far are you through reading? Yeah. Oh, through Descent into Avernus. I read the intro on basically the intro of the whole adventure because they do like mm-hmm. a brief summary of like, this is how the adventure should kind of run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I flipped to the back and I read about packs with devils or like deals with devils because that was what was intriguing me. Um, but between that and Invisible Sun, I've got a lot to read and not a lot of time because I've been doing shows and working mm-hmm. on everything else. And so um, videos and things like that and feeling under the weather. I haven't been a completely 100 mm-hmm. um, percent. So I took a day off and just kind of like rested. And then when you're when you're not feeling well and you're trying to read and you just kind of keep falling asleep, that's what was happening. So <laughs> um, but did you pick up Descent into Avernus? Um, what I'm going to do is pick it up for the roll 20 version, um, so Mm. that I can run it, but that usually is a harder way to try to absorb the book right? because the way they set it up is they set it up ready for you to play. So it's not as great a reading experience to to understand it all. Um, but my plan is to get it for that because I want to run it eventually. I'm not going to do it quite yet. I'm waiting to to get the group together and the, in the right schedule, but then I'm going to purchase it over on roll 20 because it looks really good. Yeah, um, so far, it's really cool. I think it's a, a great resource just for Baldur's Gate. There's a whole chapter on just, like, here's the happenings of Baldur's Gate and the history of Baldur's Gate and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, And I really like what they're doing because uh, Dra- Waterdeep Dragon Heist was kind of the same way where it was like, here's an adventure, but also here's kind of like a supplement if you wanted to just play a game in Waterdeep. And uh, mm-hmm. I liked that aspect of it. And uh, now that it looks like I won't be playing in uh Waterdeep Dragon Heist there was kind of like a, a an idea that we might play that at some point but then the acquisitions incorporated book came out and other books <laughs> have come out so it's like we're not going to play that I think I'm going to pick up uh Waterdeep Dragon Heist and actually read through that one as well to grab yeah. uh more lore and more history and stuff about Waterdeep so mm-hmm. um, yeah I think yeah. that's a good thing and I hope it kind of continues it's almost a combination of a campaign guide and an adventure yeah, um, a, a full campaign adventure, not just an adventure in a campaign. Um, that way, if you don't necessarily go through, like you're saying, the, the the route they've set you out, you still have a resource to go back and say, well, you know, I'm going to base all my stuff in Waterdeep, or I'm going to base all my stuff in Baldur's Gate. Or I'm going to, you know, I'd love to see one on Silvery Moon. There's a couple of other really cool towns out there that I think um, in the in the Forgotten Realms would be fun to have a full resource on oh, have yeah. a full in-depth here's some of the things that are going on there um here's what's happening because i i really liked in storm king sunder our campaign took us to silvery moon and they gave us a small blurb about it but it was so good to the way they wrote that blurb it made me want to know a lot more about silvery moon yeah and i'm surprised they haven't featured it in one of the other big adventures yet because it seems like such a cool city to be and it's in a cool place way out on the frontier of you're kind of away from the sword coast and you're more to the east getting close to the the wastes and the orc hordes and you know all the crazy stuff that's happened out there um and you're still up to the north too so it's a really cool area even if it's not that that coastal area of 
we know everything about Daggerford or Waterdeep or Baldur's yeah. Gate or Neverwinter. All that stuff's right there on the coast. So yeah. I'm ready for them to branch out. I'm ready to see more of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, no. Not just rely uh, on, I, on the old stuff. I want them to make a supplement for just like the Sea of Fallen Stars. And I was hoping yeah. that Ghosts of Saltmarsh was going to be that. And that mm-hmm. we were going to have this whole adventure on the Sea of Fallen Stars. But yeah, they, they have not done that. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't it, know. They like their Sword Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting that I think descent into avernus probably was going to be in a very different place except Baldur's gate the computer game was coming out and they wanted to tie in promotional stuff and they went back and they rewrote that Baldur's gate is the starting point for that so it's interesting i they never i don't remember them saying in the article maybe i'd have to go back and watch the video again when chris perkins talks about it but he does mention that it was actually going to take place in a different so I thought, oh, I wonder where that would have been. Mm. <laughs> but that's cool. I, I'm really excited about that book. Um, I like the Blood War. I like the idea of having that somehow impact my campaign. I've already, because of that book, in my homebrew campaign, I have a, I presented a devil's pact mm-hmm. with one of my players to, to resurrect the soul of a fallen comrade. And it was cool because we set up this, the player who didn't know it was going to happen um, was role-playing in between sessions. We do a lot of in-between role-play for our characters on Discord. So, like, we'll do mm-hmm. a session, and then they'll go to Discord and talk about what they're doing in the tavern and who they're talking to in the town or all that other stuff that happens in between the next session. And then the next sessions, they're going out on the adventure. And when they lost their paladin, their, their good friend paladin had got left behind they were role-playing really well in the tavern, how everybody was really down and certain people were taking it really hard and they didn't know they were questioning their, their own, mm. you know, moral fortitude and what they should have done. And I thought when I saw that I, and I was already reading about, Hey, descent into Avernus is coming out. And I was reading about the blood war and I was like, Oh, I need to put this devil packed in. So I had, we did this full thing in the discord where we approached them and said, hey, if you want to make a deal for a soul, you know, I can bring him back type thing. And it was really cool. He took it. They did the quest uh, to bring the soul of the baby back. And so they got the, they got Timor, the paladin back, his soul, but it was in the, in the form of a baby. So it was brand new. It wasn't bringing back. They thought they were bringing back Timor, the paladin, but in fact, they brought back baby Timor. <laughs> that's, that's fun. So that was a really fun thing. And it's a really thing that's always stood out. And they still talk about it all the time now they'll make mention of, you know, making deals with the devil and, and uh, being careful. And, you know, they always mention that thing. So I think it was a really cool thing. So I think that's why it's so cool to have this out and to really be able to dive into it. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a whole, well, it's appendix a, it's called diabolical deals. And mm-hmm. um, it's about how you enter in a deal and the proposal and what the devil wants and what devils can offer and like the hierarchy of them. And, and they want souls but at the same time, they know that they can't just like willy nilly ask for your soul for something because people aren't really willing to give that up. So there's like a whole kind of strategy in this section of like, well, how do you do this and how do you manipulate things? And a lot of times devils will give away things for free just to be like, oh, let's like sweeten the deal here so that you're kind of like uh, tr- more trusting and things like that. So I really like that chapter. Um, granted, I haven't read the whole adventure yet, but I like that chapter mm-hmm. a lot because it kind of pertains to what I'm trying to do with my Shadowfell game at the moment because they have a devil that's following them around, tempting them for various things. And I'm really hoping that like Jordan's ideal situation is that 
they almost have a TPK or somebody is about to go down and then the devil can pop up and say, well, I'll make you roll a natural 20 on your next uh, death saving throw if you do X, Y, or Z for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I really want. I want that to happen (laughs) so bad. And I'm like, I I can't engineer that though. Like Mm -hmm. you kind of just have to like let the dice roll where they go and see if it happens, but we'll, we'll see. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it's such a fun way to think about it too because I think in the tavern scene, what I did is he, I had a a cloaked figure kind of come up to the bar next to him, and um, orders a drink at, at in the in the whole RP part of it. But then I had time completely stop, mm-hmm. and the uh, the person that was being presented the deal couldn't move. So he had his glass half raised. He was about to take a drink and the figure next to him starts talking to him. So he knows something's going on here mm. and he, and he doesn't hide that he's a devil at all. He hides that I need you to do something that is for something I'm doing. Right. And if you help me, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to do that? Cause it doesn't sound very evil. In fact, the thing that he wanted him to do was to shut the gate that a demon rival was trying to come out of like a demon had gotten enough um, influence to get a cult together in this prime material world. The cult is doing um, enough of a ritual and gathering rituals around to open a gate. And then the demon can come through and then wreak havoc all over the prime material world. Mm -hmm. And this devil is the mortal enemy of that demon. They fight constantly. And the person that put him in this prison was the devil. And so the devil wants to stop him from coming out of that, but it's still an evil character. It's still an evil. And I like the idea that even an evil character, you might help for a certain reason. Yeah. Even, even though, you know, they're evil. it'd be like, I, I was almost trying to create that um, like Dexter in a way, or, you know, these, these shows that we all watch where we know the main character in many ways is evil. I mean, Dexter's a serial killer, but yet it's a show you love to watch because he's, he goes out and just kills bad people. So that makes it okay. That makes it palatable, right? That makes it like, okay, I can go with this. He's not just, you know, randomly killing everybody, but, but he's still a serial killer really. So it's still an evil kind of thing. Um, So I like that idea of evil can still have usefulness for good characters. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they would want to use good characters because they can trust them, right? They, they can't trust all the evil minions that they find because they're always backstabbing and trying to get up on one another. but they can trust a, a good group. So if they could get a good party to work for them, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah. So that was the mindset I was going through with, with mine. So that's cool. And I love that you're going to add it into yours. So. Yeah. I'm really excited. Cool. And then um, hopefully I can use the last half of this book for, for maybe the next adventure arc. They actually have to go to hell for any repercussions that have happened from this devil but that all hinges on them actually being tempted and i need to figure out a way for them to to 100 be tempted like like mm-hmm. not just um because right now it's very black and white they don't want to they don't want to interact with this guy but i'm like how do you do that how do you manipulate the situation where it's like like you were just saying like um i need the good people to f- to think or to believe that they can control this evil entity for good. Like, how mm-hmm. can I how can I use this evil guy for good? Which would be like, oh, you don't like the demon. I can pit the devil and the demon together. And that would be good for us because two evil things clash together. That's going to be um, beneficial for the good guys. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. So, it's- and, and I always think, too, the way I was – because I thought the same. My players are very skeptical. And, and they knew – he knew right away what was happening. Like, the minute it started, mm-hmm. he knew it was about to happen. So, And he wasn't going to take any deal. 
But the idea was is to make the very first thing they ask something that's a good action. It's not they're not going to ask you for to do evil at first, but it's like that first little hey, if you just do this good thing, and guess what? It's a, I need you to go save a busload of children. Right. They, you know, not knowing that somewhere in there, one of those children is going to grow up to be a really horrible thing, but they don't need to know that. The devil's just going to ask them yeah. to go save some children. And the player's going to be like, okay, evil guy wants us to do something good. I don't see what the problem is. I guess right. we'll do it. <laughs> and that's how you start to hook them in and stuff. So it was so good to think of that way. So, uh, so that's cool. And um, I'm excited. I, I haven't seen... I've seen a few streams start up and start playing it. I've seen some of the main streams that I like to watch have new characters and are playing, starting to play through it. Um, it definitely feels like that adventure, hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler, is very grounded in the beginning in Baldur's Gate. So it's not necessarily like, all right, session one, we're in hell, let's go. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're doing all these things in Avernus. Although I guess a GM could do it that way if they wanted to, but it feels like the adventure is definitely rooted in Baldur's Gate at first. And then events eventually lead us to some of the other places. Yep. So, yeah, it'll be really cool. cool. Um, there was some lore you should know that I th- that we were trying to figure out if it came out last. I think it came out last week, but maybe I feel two like weeks it was ago. Last week. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. they were talking about Eberron, um, the Last War, and the Draconic Prophecy. Uh, and I watched those, and they're really interesting. So the Last War is is basically the the this. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's a, a parallel to World War One, basically. This huge, mm-hmm. like, and I think it's a, a 98-year-long war of these these houses that have war, not houses, but um, siblings, because uh, the king died, and all of the siblings couldn't, or all of his children couldn't decide who should who should be the next king. So they started warring with each other about who should own um, Eberron and who should be the king. And that's this huge war that comes on. And it, and it culminates with the catastrophe that happened in the Mornland that created the Mornland. And nobody really knows what happened there, but everybody's scared. So the fighting just kind of stops. So the war is over, but is the war really over? Because people are still angry with each other. So that was a really good lore you, sh- lore you should know. And then they also talked about the Draconic Prophecy. And so within the world of Eberron, there are dragons and written in the stars, written in the earth, written in rocks, written in all this different stuff is um, this prophecy. And these dragons are kind of going through the the process of, of finding all of these different puzzle pieces and putting them together so that they can figure out this draconic prophecy, which will basically explain the future. And it's it's a good thing for dragons. And so they are trying to push this prophecy along. So it might be, um, they did a really good job where they were saying like, you know, this, this uh, baron or something needs to die at the hand of a man with a crystal sword. And mm-hmm. so it's like the dragon can't just go in and kill that man. They need to instigate this, this villain and, and call, kind of like nurture him to be a villain in some way through the behind the scenes so that he'll eventually um, be the man that has the crystal sword. And then they got to put these two together so that he'll die on a specific date so that the prophecy can come true. So it's kind of like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like the dragons read this and then they push it to happen because if it mm-hmm. does happen, then they will win in the end. Like the dragons will, it's, it's good for the dragons at the very end of this prophecy. But, but what that prophecy 
is and all these dragons have different pieces of it but they don't really share with each other it's i don't know it's kind of an interesting thing and it's very it's left unexplained so that the players can uh not the players so that the dungeon master can kind of engineer it however he wants it to be um so a, a lot of eberron is like that where it's very uh, there are there are gaps in the history. There's gaps in this because they want you you as a player as a dungeon master to to fill that in and to make the the world your own, which is something we don't see with something like Forgotten Realms, where everything is very like like here's the history of this because of the novels and because of all this other stuff. So I I like Eberron a lot because of that. So. Yeah, it's it was a lot. It was a pretty big lore dump, and it sounds like it's one of those things that has a lot of lore behind it um, when they're describing it. And but even though they did leave places open to say, like, because I think what Chris was saying was nobody actually knows what destroyed the Mornland, though, right? That's Correct. left up to the dungeon master to kind of decide what route but some huge catastrophe happened hiroshima kind of yeah. catastrophe and everybody stopped and went whoa what just happened who's next you know where what is going on and that's where we're at now we're into what they called the cold war version mm-hmm. of everon so i think that's very interesting where everyone's just too scared to fight almost because they don't yeah. want that to happen to their nation or to them personally so yeah. And I also thought, which I didn't realize when they said the great war in my mind, I just thought it was a big, great war, but the reality what they were saying is it, it was a very humanocentric war. It's, it's about, like you said, this family and that's yeah. human, mostly civilization fighting back and forth. And the other groups have either been pulled in or have lent their help or have made chose a side or whatever, but it's not been that war has not been a war about humans versus orcs or uh, you know whatever it might be giants versus you know um, mind flayers or you know whatever's going on. It's so that's another interesting thing because you don't I don't feel like in Dungeons and Dragons I would say a lot of stories are start in towns that probably have a high human population but definitely have a good mix of the other races, the dwarves and the elves and all the other stuff that is a standard D and D trope. Um, but usually the wars are between the races. <laughs> a lot yeah. of times they're like when you're, and especially Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk and stuff. Dwarves like versus Drow and yeah. yeah things that, like that. You think of that kind of stuff when you think of the Great War. So it was interesting on this one. When you were describing it, the thing that kept coming to my mind was you're describing Lord of the Rings to me. Yeah. So is Eberron sort of Lord of the Rings? I would very much say no, but uh, in what way did it may remind you? Well, the the the, the factions are Sauron and his his rings of power that he's controlling. They're not all different people; they're all humans, right? And it's all kind of a World War One based analogy, which oh, is totally which is War, Lord of the yeah. Rings. Lord of the Rings is full on an analogy for World War One. I don't know. It just made me start thinking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting. Now, I always keep egging you on. When when are we going to see a Jordan run Eberron campaign? Because it just seems like you like it enough. You know enough about it. You enjoy playing in it if you get the chance. Have you just not found the players that want to play an Eberron? No. Have you just decided you don't want to run an Eberron campaign? I... I think I'm just not 
not going to run an Eberron campaign. Um, I have some players that are interesting in it, but are interested in it, but um, it would mean, I don't know, like maybe after Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I'll, I'll really dive in. Um, who knows? Uh, we'll get this, the Eberron rising from the last war. And maybe that is what's going to tip me off where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like now, now I'm on the tipping point and I have to run a game in Eberron. Um, mm-hmm. and I've got, and, we, and by that time I will have finished Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And so, I need, I'm looking for the next chapter. So maybe that's something that I'll run, but, um, I like Eberron a lot, but you can enjoy something and just kind of enjoy the lore without also diving in, you know? And and, and I'm doing that a lot right now with, uh, Invisible Sun. Like I'm reading Invisible Sun and I really want to run Invisible Sun, but I'm also, I'm also looking at it from a practical view and I'm like, I'm not sure when I'll actually be able to run this or when I'll find the right players to run this. But I'm enjoying it, just ingesting all of the rules and the lore and the history and stuff that that is right. in this world of Invisible Sun. So, um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm just a I'm just a lore nut. Like I just like worlds. I think mm-hmm. you know. So, but you, are you going to buy the book? Uh, Rising from the Last War. Yeah, I totally yeah. will. Yeah. So you definitely. Yeah. Okay, so that'll be on your shelf. Yeah. Now I thought I saw somewhere in a bullet point that I thought it said 16 new races. Does that sound right to you? the no um not races but uh i think the dragon marked so you can have there's there's a uh like you can be a human or you can be a dragon marked human um and so maybe that's what they meant by new races because uh the dragon marks are different like you have extra things but you can be a a dragon marked elf or or a dwarf so but i don't yeah yeah, I thought it was a weird bullet point, and I was just flipping past it, so I didn't go back to um, even check it out. But I thought but I not, saw something. Not like, really like lizard number. folk, tabaxi. Like they're not super different. I think they're probably talking about the dragon marked um, houses. So, where I was wondering if they if their version of a dwarf is different than a regular version of a dwarf. So is that considered a new race, or right. their elves are not exactly the same as Forgotten Realm elves? So does that count? I was just wondering. No, oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're probably talking about the dragon marked houses. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, it's definitely interesting. Again, I still, it's not. Um, I haven't had a big desire to play noir style storylines at the moment. So, like for you, for like you were saying, I haven't had a big urge to run a game in it. Though it's interesting for me to read through it and see how that world is developed yeah. and where it came from, and and understanding what they're going for with it. It definitely seems like keith baker has put an enormous amount of time thinking about this yeah, world. i mean he really he has, has definitely put in a lot of good it's not just a <clears throat> here's one area detailed out and you can kind of make it up wherever else you want he's really thought out all these different areas and all this different stuff that's going on so it's definitely a fun and the artwork looks pretty good and i like the i still like the idea of fusing technology with magic mm-hmm. to see kind of where that goes in a world so it's pretty so other news that's out. So that's going to be out on November, I think, 19th is 18th, when we'll 19th, see that. Like that. Yeah, November 19th. So we've got about, I don't know, three, four weeks, almost a month to go for that. And it'll be on the show, which is a super quick turnaround. I mean, we're just getting last week or, you know, in the middle of last week here. I say last week, we're on Saturday. Um, we get Descent into Abner's Baldur Gate. And now we're going to get another book. So two books within 30 days of each other. Well, no, it's crazy. Is it 30? No, it'll be longer than 30 days because we still have October to get through. So, (laughs) oh, yeah, I'm thinking. 
That's right. It's September. I just skipped over <laughs> Halloween. I skipped over Halloween. Oh, no, who knows about Halloween? <laughs> All right. So two months. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that makes a little sense. And I'm thinking still, again, that's their end of, I didn't see any other release date stuff, no December stuff no. that I thought. So I think that's it. <clears throat> when do you think we hear about the next actual campaign then? Oh, I want to say like, that's going to be the D&D live event, which is, when is that? In the summer? So I would, February, maybe March, we'll hear about it. I think we'll hear something February, March. Yeah. All right. Because, yeah, we don't, we have no idea at this point, not even a hint, I don't think, about where we're going after Avernus now. now yeah, there. no. So. so I'm excited. Well, there was a Dragon Plus out. Issue number 27 is out on the website. They've, um, Dragon Magazine, you know, is more of an online thing now than it is um, a Dragon thing. I did have, uh, you can see over on my thing here, Dragon, <clears throat> I found in a, in my closet, the old 19, what was this one? Like 94, 90 something dragon magazine, 208 pristine condition. It is interesting to flip through these kind of old magazines to see where the hobby was at the time and what advertisements they had. And like, they're, they're talking about forgotten realms. They're talking about dark sun. They're talking about the new planescape planes. Yeah. Of I was about to say, thing. is that a planescape advertisement on the yeah, back? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So some good stuff and some of the books, the Drizzt books, Siege of Darkness is just coming out. So it's cool to go back and see a snapshot of that stuff, how they used to do it. The online version of that is now called Dragon Plus. Um, I don't know if they, I wouldn't say they put in as much work as they used to in these old magazines like this. I wish, I kind of wish we had this stuff again. I, I don't, you know, I, that would be cool. I know and we're I, in a I digital age. We're in a digital age. I think there's a, there's a market for it though. I think a lot of people yeah. would pick it up and, and do subscriptions to it and stuff if they did like little adventures and they, and that's, I don't know. It's exactly what dragon plus is. It's yeah. You know. Little adventures, more lore uh, stuff about the art interviews with people that are in the industry. And that's what this issue is. I know there's a new one out there. You can go to dragon plus it's over on there on the D and D site. You can get to it. Just type in dragon plus on Google and you'll get there. Um, they talk a little bit about some Avernus stuff. They talk about um, the platinum edition that Beatles and Grimm did. They uh, do some artwork stuff. There's some adventure stuff in there. They, they talk about some cool monster stuff. So this is a cool a issue. There wasn't too much in there that stood out to me that I thought, hey, we should talk about on the show. But there is a new one out, so I thought I would mention that in our, in our news section. But there definitely is another UA article out. So we've gotten two back-to-back yeah. at this point um, where we have two more subclasses introduced. So what – so – we know that we have a Bard of Eloquence, School of Eloquence, or you know, they do schools, right? Or yep, college. Bards do? College, College of Eloquence, and then a Paladin subclass of Paladin of Heroism. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. So what do you think reading through these so far um, as far as the new UA article? Um, I, I really thought kind of like meh, like with both of them, nothing. They didn't really stand out to me as much um, as the Barbarian and uh, what was the other one? Uh, obviously, that the Warlock. Stand, the Warlock, yeah. Those yeah, ones Aber stood out, stood out a lot more Warlock to me. Yeah, it was with the psychic um, attack, the new... No, entrance. that was the Sorcerer. There was oh, like a, right. a psychic Sorcerer and a Warlock, which was the Kraken of the Deep. That's uh, the one, the okay. Deep. But there and was then, a there was a Feywild barbarian, wasn't there? Yeah, there was yeah. that. <laughs> so we've gotten a bunch recently. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so they're clearly planning for some kind of uh, what's the word like 
Xanathar's Guide, like they're going to do another Xanathar's Guide type book where it's going to be more subclasses and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. no, reading through the College of Eloquence, I'm like, oh, this is totally like the bard I've been wanting to play forever because like this, these bards wield a blend of logic and theatrical wordplay, winning over skeptics and detractors with logical arguments and plucking at the heartstrings to appeal to emotions of entire audiences. And I was like, yes, this is exactly mm-hmm. what I want to play. But then when you actually look at it, they can talk to everything. They have, they can cast calm emotions without a spell slot, which is kind of cool. And then, um, they can do like a couple of other things with their uh, bardic inspiration, but nothing was nothing stood out as like super cool to me, I guess. And so I was kind of disappointed with it. I'm like, well, it's not bad, but it just kind of like I I don't think I'd play this. I think I would I'd still want to play my colleges College of Swords juggling mm-hmm. uh, bard who is part of a circus. Like that's what I want to yeah. play. So, yeah, I wasn't sure how the mechanics would play it out, but the idea of this style of bard is probably one of the best ideas for a bard I've heard yet, because it's the idea of if you take any movie scene where there's chaos and then there's that one person that just walks in and just has the monologue, and the monologue stops everything. And it's in all these kinds of movies where, where that kind of thing happens. Like they were, they mentioned in the, in the video, in the Q and a article um, with Jeremy Crawford and Bart Carroll, they talked about uh, Django Unchained and they talked about where they're in this town and there's a bunch of craziness going on. And that bounty hunter walks in and he talks his way all the way in, talks the whole thing down and does it with the Quentin Tarantino style monologue. Right. And when I when I heard them say that, it it just clicked for me that this is it. This is the that crazy reservoir dog bard. This is the monologue bard. This is the and just everybody just can't is mesmerized by the speech they give at that point. So this is like Deadwood or, you know, all these other ones that have these great things in there where it just Mm -hmm. it just stops like that. Um, I also thought in some ways it was like if you were Game of Thrones um, there was that Prince of the Sand who was able, just very eloquent, was a good fighter, but it, but it was through the way he talked that he kind of captured mm-hmm. the crowd and got him them on his side and made his opponent even more mad and made him more clumsy because of what he was doing and they couldn't, they, it, it couldn't stop him. So I love the idea of that. Now, I don't know if there's mechanics that help you create that in a game. I guess that's a scene that you somehow have to create and on the spot, you have to create this monologue that sounds super cool. Like in that movie moment where at the end of year, you're done, you get to somebody looks around and starts doing the slow clap. And then everybody starts clapping. Like, how do you generate that in a game at your table? That's pretty tough to do, but that's the person you want to be, right? That's the, that's the character you're trying to play. Um, So I found it very interesting. I think if I was going to play any bard, because I'm not a big bard player for whatever reason, Um, I I think that's the one I would try to play. I like, or at least that's the idea. And Jeremy did say a good thing about it was he said, you know, a normal bard could do this. There's nothing that says a bard couldn't be that person. You couldn't play your character that way, whether you are a college of swords or college of, you know, whatever other bard. But this one was all about the talking aspect of being a bard. So I thought that was at least an interesting way to go. Maybe they need some mechanics that make it a little bit more attractive to you over others um they did say calm emotion once you once you fail your original saving throw that's it there is no additional one with that spell so it's a it's a powerful spell that i think a lot of people don't use 
very it's often true. don't understand its power. And you can they, cast it without expending no. a spell slot. So yeah. it's, I don't know. It's yeah, really so good to diffuse the situation. And maybe that's how I need to look at this. It's not so much a combat bard or a support bard, but one that can like diffuse a situation. And I'm like, I'm going to calm all of the goblins down. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to speak to the goblin because I have um, universal speech. And we're going to, I'm going to, you know, meet the goblin one-on-one and we're going to figure out how to uh, talk to the king of the goblins without fighting my way to the king of the goblins. So I don't know. Right. But then, then Lucian likes combat so much. How do I'm I'm surprised that this is something you're interested in. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) That's why I think it's hard. It's the idea is perfect. Mm-hmm. But how do you execute it in the game is the tough part. Like, how do you make it happen? How do you give that player who's playing that a chance to come up with that cool monologue moment? You know, maybe they're not as eloquent as that. I mean, Jordan probably could do it because Jordan is is a stage actor. So he could oh, probably yeah. come up with some cool monologue. But other players who may want the love the idea of that may not be as eloquent or may not be able to think on the fly. I never can. I can never come up with good, compelling conversation in the moment. But I can sit down and write good, compelling conversation mm-hmm. if I have time to sit there and do the back and forth. I'm like, oh, this NPC will say this and this and all that's good. And I can write it all down. It feels good and it sounds good mm-hmm. when I read it out loud. But if it's just like I'm on the spot, I can't just come up with crazy fun. I need to run you know, D&D dialogue. in the shower because that's when you have your best conversations. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, everybody come. We're playing D&D in the shower. That's our next <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting and then the the other one is the the paladin of paladin heroism. heroism yeah yeah, yeah. And i i guess i'm not like you just said yeah. you're not a big bard player i'm not a big paladin player i just have no yeah. real interest in playing paladin so i kind of looked at this and i'm like well he's got some cool stuff you know expeditious retreat guiding bolt haste um like you get some cool spells and uh the channel divinity uh you can channel your divinity to augment your athleticism with divine favor as a bonus action. You gain advantage on all strength and dexterity checks for the next 10 minutes. So it's, it's cool. Like, I mean, I was like, I could definitely see myself playing this at some point, but I also just don't play a lot of paladin. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, cyber wolf in chat just reminded me of something where it says the bard says objection. I'm thinking you're exactly right. Mr. Smith goes to Washington is a bard of eloquence. He goes, <laughs> he talks in front of Congress or he talks in front of the jury or, and they give that big rousing speech to finally get them on there. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's the good stuff there. Um, I too, when I read the the heroism and just read it in the text, I wasn't getting where they were going with it because you think, well, a paladin's supposed to do that kind of stuff. But then when Jeremy described it, this is the thing. Jeremy described it. It's really the paladin of awesomeness. And it's about, <laughs> they don't, have they don't fight for justice they don't fight for a certain god's beliefs they don't Mm -hmm. um they're not trying to um make sure everybody follows laws they're just trying to do awesome things they are trying to look at something they see the biggest mountain in the land and they say i should climb it because that's awesome and they're like who's the biggest creature here i'm gonna fight you because that's awesome it's like this idea of a person who only does things that they think are awesome and then i started thinking Okay, that's a fun kind of funny character you could play because they don't have to be super smart. They don't have to be super anything. They can just be this crazy, over-the-top superhero, basically, who's just out trying to do crazy Guinness World Book kind of stuff or superhero or just trying to build a story. Like, 
they look at something as will this be a good story or not and that's how interested they are right and I'm yeah just like, oh, that's such an interesting concept no that heroes. is fun and then the one mechanic there is that I inspire you because of my heroism, but now because you're so inspired, somebody else becomes inspired because of what you did. They're like, oh my God, Jordan did that because of what this character said. Now I feel inspired and I'm going to go do something. So it's like a, it's like a hot potato of inspiration that jumps around. I thought that was pretty funny. And I could see where that could be some really fun RP moments where, you know, one player takes the heroic action of another and gets a benefit from a mechanical in-game benefit mm -hmm. from oh my god you jumped across the chasm to tackle the goblin that's running away with the thing that we need that that is super heroic now i am inspired i'm going to do something and then when i do something the next person's inspired and they're like yes i'm going to do something cool now you know and i just like that made me feel like that it's almost turns it into an avengers movie or a, a buddy kind of movie where there's that humor about each person's kind of bantering with each other about aha i've killed four goblins how much have you killed today jordan and he's like i'm on number five you know yeah. like that kind of i could see that kind of banter going along with when you have a, a paladin of of awesomeness is the way i'm gonna think of it from now on. it's not gonna be <laughs> the, the heroism you know what do, what do they call the paladin it's the oath oaths right oath of yeah oath of um, heroism oath of yeah, awesome. so oath of heroism for me it's oath of awesomeness <laughs> <laughs> so, so i think that's interesting and and as we know all of these ua articles are test material for us to go out and give your feedback if you feel like something's weak or you don't like it or if you do get a chance to play it and you get to give them feedback definitely do that but we also know that even though we see these versions and these ua articles the finished product is usually tweaked enough that it's it I mean, when we're looking at Xanther's Guide, most of those are very solid subclasses. I can't think of one in Xanther's Guide where I go, why'd they put that in this book? This one is terrible. Like, all of those are pretty good mm -hmm. by the time they got to the book printing part. So I think this is good. And if they do do another Xanther's Guide, because that was a cool point that you brought up, that means in that one they did anywhere, each class got at least one new subclass, but most of them got two or three. Yeah one of them might have got four new subclasses like it was a real crazy amount so we're talking somewhere around you know another what is that 12 to 16 ish subclasses that could be added to the game in in the future here not too far off so that could be kind of cool to have all that that variety in the game at this point so yeah how many we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve so there's 12 classes so if they you know that's 24 subclasses that they could potentially yeah. do so that's amazing that's or, more. or more <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's pretty cool so that's out there now you guys can go check that out the new article they already put the survey out for the other one um I have not had a time to play, got it put in one of my games or one of my campaigns to try out. Um, but I was definitely interested in some of the new stuff and where they're going with some of the new stuff, which is interesting. And it's also, it's kind of fun because it, right now I'm trying to build my own version of what would a Xanther's Guide be. So I wanted to build a little guide that had 12 subclasses, one for each, that would be Lucian's kind of contribution to um, building some cool D&D character stuff. And it's cool to see where they're going with theirs and how they do it so that I can stay in line with kind of how, how it works out. So that's pretty cool. Um, there is a Q&A article out there, or article, a video that you can watch on the D&D channel with Jeremy and Bart Carroll talking about all of those four subclasses. They're answering questions about them. They're, they're going through and talking about them. And I felt a lot better 
when I heard Jeremy describe where they were coming from, from a design point to now go back and read those things, I feel better about them. It felt like I, I wasn't on board, like you said, when you read it before that. But now that I've listened to what he was saying, I kind of understand where they're coming mm. from. And now I'm starting to get ideas of where I could take a character like that. Now going back and reading it, I feel better about, okay, how's this going to work? And how, how could I make this work with a character concept that I have? If I don't have yeah. a concept for it in my head, I feel like I'm not getting where they're going. But the minute I something locks in as a concept, then I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I'm with you guys. Okay. <laughs> I should so, watch that then. So yeah, I, I agree good. with you though. What, like if you can figure out how to make it work as a, as a concept, then yeah, it, it's like, Oh, all of a sudden it, it clicks into place, I guess. So, yeah. Other than that, that was about the news that I saw that was out there. Even if we missed something, it's always possible. We'll bring it up in next week's news section, but that was about it. I mean, it was a lot because we had a book release. Yeah. We had new articles to go over. We got new testing content. Um, lots of videos came out on the D&D channel for us to watch. And there's definitely a lot of streams have just started their descent into Avernus. So any of you are interested in watching campaigns go through those, there's plenty to choose from at the moment. I'm probably going to watch the Roll20 version because I just like watching Adam Cobalt go through mm. um, that stuff. And they usually come up with cool, fun characters. But there's definitely quite a few other, like I think Dragon Friends is getting and going to Avernus at this point. Um, so there's quite a few different streams that you might like. And I know if you stay with Ack Inc, they're already in hell. (laughs) So, you know, so that's pretty good. So other than that, um, Jordan, I think I went first last week, although you said you didn't have much this week, so we could just knock it out. Anything you want to talk about as far as your week in RPG gaming? Well, I didn't play any, so (laughs) Uh, that's really what I, yeah. um, I just have been so busy with my show and I got a cold and, and doing a bunch of other stuff. So, I, I, yeah. And if you follow my YouTube channel, I didn't even get a video out last week because I was so out of it. That's right. Um, so I've just been reading invisible sun, um, which I'm still really enjoying, hoping to run it tomorrow. I think I'm going to try and build a character in invisible sun so that I can actually go through the book and understand character creation as it's in the book. And and then hopefully understand how magic and spells work and things like that. So I'm going to do that tomorrow, which will be good. Um, not, not streaming. Maybe maybe I'll talk about it streaming, but like I I think instead I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hammer it out and figure it out myself. Um but I will be doing either tomorrow or Monday I'll do my GM prep stream, which I started a couple weeks ago, because I have to prep for my upcoming Salt Marsh game on Wednesday. So mm-hmm. um I'll do another prep stream, which will be fun. But yeah, people have been busy, people have been sick, so I was I was supposed to play um, last Sunday we were going to play D and D and it just didn't work out. And then, um, so yeah, I have, I have no games that I've played in like the last two weeks. It's been kind of sad and I've, I've just been reading a lot. Um, hoping to get back into games this week. So, but I should be playing tomorrow in my, uh, acquisitions incorporated game. And then Wednesday I should have ghosts of salt marsh and, uh, we should get back on track playing games. So that'll be fun. But what did Lucian do in games? So well, a little, a mixed bag, really. Um, our Monday night got rescheduled because we're in that prison scene. We're about to introduce a new character who's in one of the prison cells also. So when they do the breakout, the assumption is they'll break out the other prisoners and we have a new person that'll join the party. So I didn't want to have a, a bunch of them were like, well, let's just run it, even though this one player won't be there and we'll come up with a way why that player's not there. But I really kind of just wanted to have the whole group together. 
when we were introducing a new player. So we're going from a four-player party to a five-player party. I didn't want anybody missing for that. So I just said, you know, even though it's been two weeks since we played the Monday game, let's just wait till everybody can finally be there same time Monday night, which should be this Monday. So the, the big prison break should be this Monday, even though I've said that a couple of times now. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be rescheduled. And we can finally have this really cool moment of um, them getting out of the, the cells, them finding a new party member, them finding some other prisoners, them finding some lore about this Black Pyramid that they're stuck in. So hopefully that happens, but we got rescheduled this past week, so not too much there. Wednesday, we did do our Tomb of Annihilation. Um, I didn't want to do too many spoilers here, but I did want to mention that I'm having a lot of fun in the Tomb of the Nine Gods. We're yeah, in the, that's a we're, great We're moving around game. doing some stuff in here, and there's a lot of the Nine Gods are popping up and doing things, and just the design of what's going on and our party moving around and coming up with interesting ways to not let traps hit us or sometimes just hitting the trap with our forehead, you know, to trigger it and just taking the brunt of it and then figuring out what to do after um, has been pretty fun. It feels like kind of old school dungeon delving D and D there's even been some fun RP moments in there. Um, and I got an interesting thing. Um, there was a, a loot, stash that we found at one point and i got a hat of wizardry for my wizard which makes total sense <laughs> um and then i got an amulet of health which brings my health up to 19 which i thought was really cool for a wizard who does not have lots of health in, at any other typical time um and for the first time ever in any game in fifth edition that i've played a character i've hit my um magic item affinity limit oh wow yeah, like, have you ever, do you ever enforce that in your games? Yes. Do you have your characters and you do? Okay. I heavily enforce it because they, I gave out too many magic items, so I really had to make them choose what they can attune to. And also my Warforge Eldritch Knight has, he's got three, um, and I had to, yeah. I had to make a choice between a wand of charming, um, and a, uh, what's the word? infernal tack that i have so i can like summon a, a nightmare steed which is really cool cool um yeah so i've got um bracers of defense which help my ac because i'm a war mage which is kind of cool because i do get into the fight a little bit i've got that health amulet now which is also and then the the hat the wizardry i kind of want a cool staff but one the two that have come up have not really been wizard staff there was a staff of striking that came up at mm. one point and so that went to one of our other characters and there was a staff of the Python, which I had not yeah. seen before. And that went to a different character. I think our Druid picked that one up, which was cool, but I'm still waiting. So I'll have to drop one of the things at some point for, if I can find ever a good, a good cool weapon to use for my, my wizard. But the other thing that's happened, which has never really happened in any other game I've played, we keep fighting a lot of magic user based characters npcs mm -hmm. and so i've been gaining spell books left and right so i we defeated a necromancer at one point later earlier in the campaign and i got their spell book which was a bunch of cool wizard spells that i didn't already have then we defeated a red wizard of thay and we got that spell book and then we found some spell book and all of a sudden i'm walking around with four other wizards spell books and i just now have this humongous library of spells that's awesome which sucks because I can only ever prepare 10 of them or, you know, whatever right. the number is. So I've got this huge spell list now that I can choose from, which is really cool. I've never had that happen before, but now I have this agony of, should I choose this one? And, Oh, I need this one. And they're all so good. And I want them all. 
but I can't prepare them all. I can't have them all ready for the day. Not like the clerics, <laughs> you know, or the druids or the, right. you know, the other, I got to prepare those things. So it has been fun. So it's been a very cool um, experience for my wizard to finally get those kinds of things in a D&D game. It's been super, I think we're at level eight. We'll probably hit level nine in a session or two because we're super combat heavy. We're killing everything we come across and um, it's been super fun. So that is really good. Don't want to do too many stories. If you haven't played through Tomb of Annihilation, I definitely recommend it. It's probably the best, longest campaign they've put out so far. Really? Like, hmm. there's, I, you could make an argument that I think Ghosts of Saltmarsh is probably a better written, but that's only a, a few adventures stringed together. Yes. And, it, and so you would loosely call it a campaign. Um, Tomb of Annihilation is more of the campaign I think of, like a Storm King's Thunder princes of the apocalypse all these other ones that are big long ranging will take you from one to 11 or one to 16 or one to 20 or whatever it might be of all of them i think tomb of annihilation is their best one thus far Hmm. now i may change my mind when we get into and when i really dive into descent ravenous because i think that one takes you from one to 11 one to 13 one to 13 so maybe i'll change my mind there but i've ran tomb uh storm king thunder and i love storm king thunder but I think Tomb of Annihilation is written better, is a better overall D&D experience than that one. So if you haven't tried it, or if you haven't talked to your DM into running it for you as a player, you should do it. And if GM, I know you guys love your homebrew stuff. I love my homebrew stuff too. If you're going to choose a, uh, an official product to run, I would choose that one over the other ones at this mm. point. Yeah, I mean, I've read through it Can't and be. I really like it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still think my favorite is out of the abyss, but maybe it's just cause I, I really like the underdark. So I don't know, but I will agree. Like tomb of annihilation is a great thing. I would like to run it at some point. So, and I did see LB uh, in our chat talking about, I didn't realize she was ready to tell people, but yeah, we are going to be playing a Saturday afternoon game of descent into Avernus on the weekend. She's going to be our cool. dungeon master. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's cool. going to be very interesting. <laughs> I, wasn't um, ready to, I didn't know if she was ready to announce all that stuff, but I saw her in chat asking about it. So yes. Are you streaming uh, that or, or is she streaming it? I don't know yet. I don't okay. know her plans yet. I don't know if we're all going to meet up. I don't know if we're roll 20 ing it. I don't know. Um, oh man. LB. She said, Hey, do you want to play? And I'm like, heck yeah, I want to play. <laughs> so that'll be coming up. That'll be so it'll make the show because pollution's in it. So eventually we'll be talking about how that goes. Okay. And um, that'll be good. I think we start our first session isn't this week. So it must be, what are we on the 21st? So it must be next weekend. 28th is what I'm thinking. So yeah, that'll be on the, on that show. We'll have more to to bring back to you guys. And then when we hit into October, the month I forgot about, (laughs) um, more to, to tell you guys about. So that was that. The only other thing I have going on, which I can't tell anybody about, except it's, I'm working on a secret project on Thursday. It's really good. It went well. Um, It's a secret project that I am dungeon mastering at the moment. And I will be able to tell everybody about it probably in about a month's time. We'll be able to go back and tell you how it all unlocked. But on Thursday, I did get to play. I got to do some stuff um, in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. That's really cool. It's really fun. I can't wait to tell you guys a little bit about it and talk to you guys about some of the stuff and, and bring it up. Um, Sweet. So that was cool. So that's what I got to do. So I've got 
game I'm running, game I'm playing in, some test stuff I'm doing, and eventually a new new campaign that's coming up. I'm going to be playing all kinds of D&D at this point, so it's really good. But that was about it for what I did. Um, in your campaigns, now we know you have the last of your shows are tonight. Yep. And you're really set for playing tomorrow. Yep what what's happening tomorrow to your because this is your your in-person home group that hasn't played in a while right well two weeks so oh it's been two weeks since they yeah played. and they're level 11 oh no 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 sorry acquisitions incorporated is tomorrow oh i thought it was um, your home home group. my my home game uh is that's that's been like three weeks since we've played um right. and we're not playing tomorrow because people are sick or people are busy i forget which one um so it might be next week but they're trying to get to Gloomrot, uh which is the city uh, in the shadowfell um and uh i have i have them going through a uh they have basically they're gonna have to make a choice whether they want to go under the mountain or over the mountain but there's going to be like a mountain pass that they have to get through um, and so I've kind of prepped for both, which as a dungeon master, I really should stop doing where I'm just like, oh, I'll prep these two paths and then they choose one of them. And then I end up not using the other path. Um, mm-hmm. I really need to stop doing that because I'm, I'm doing what they tell you not to do, which is over prepping things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't help myself. Sometimes I just see a fork in the road and I'm like, well, I'll just make an adventure for both of them. So <laughs> we'll see. But that's kind of where they're going to go for there. And then, like I said, I'm working in that idea of the, the devils and things like that. But um, yeah, tomorrow is acquisitions incorporated. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what we're doing. I, we got, we got, we finished our level one, like mission. We got paid for it. Acquisitions incorporated took their like 30% cut of our money, which is hilarious. And then um, we got another uh, mission and we decided to take ten di- t- a week, so ten days in Forgotten Realms is a week of downtime to do downtime things in Waterdeep. And now, from there, we're going to, I think, Fandolin um, to do some kind of mission in Fandolin. So that's where the starter set adventure takes place, and that's yeah. where we're going for Acquisitions Incorporated. So we'll see what's happening there but i can't remember off the top of my head what exactly we were hired for i think oh now i'm remembering it's um there was a a franchise that went awol and so we're going to check on this like franchise that hasn't been reporting back to acquisitions incorporated and and if if all if if they're not willing to uh get back in touch with acquisitions incorporated the idea is that maybe we'll take over that franchise so will be the franchise. You just gave me a really cool idea. Maybe this is what your dungeon master is doing, but a franchise in Fandolin is such a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can mix both of the starter box set and the D&D Essentials, but also use the Act Inc. book to flavor all of it. And that's such a cool, well, you got cool maps for it. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, all the NPCs. You could do a lot of cool stuff with that and turn it into an Act Inc. game. Mm -hmm. That's That's pretty good. So who's the GM for that one? For you. Uh, that is my friend Nathan, um, who is come for holes in chat sometimes. Uh, he runs yeah. around there. So uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's just really great, really great GM, really great guy. And, and we have a lot of fun. He was one of the people that I met playing um, 
Adventures, uh, League. Adventures League. And so, yeah. yeah, we came back and started doing that. So, Oh, that's the other thing. Uh, I know you can put it in the notes right here at the last minute. Um, Adventure League Season 9 is live as yeah. of the release of Descent into Avernus last week, Tuesday, was when the book came out. Um, Adventure League Season 9 has started. So I wonder if people are getting their new characters. There was incentives to create new characters. You could still use old characters, but you didn't get incentives for that. Um I wonder how those are going. There's some new adventures out. But it's so much easier to level up now. I feel like the 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 pain painful way of level. I mean, you level up a lot faster, I guess. So it's it should it should you should be incentivized to make a new character. I feel, but yeah, yeah. Well, and I also wonder too that the way that that's designed is maybe they're not thinking that you're playing every week per se, but maybe you're going to conventions and playing. So those are happening, you know, once every few weeks you get to go to a convention and play your, your adventure league character. And maybe your store is running some adventure league nights. So every now and then you get to go over there and you get to play. I always felt like the rules they were creating for that was that casual type player that couldn't go every single week and couldn't find a group that they could play in, but they could go find an adventure league night event and Mm -hmm. play there. Whereas some people probably are playing Adventure League rules, but they're playing every single night. Yeah. And that may make it seem like those rules don't work very well for that. Or like you said, you level too quick. You'll level super fast at that point. So it'll be interesting to see. I want to do Adventure League Season 9 stuff. I'm going to have to find somewhere to do a couple of games because I want to create a new character and run through it just so I can say that, you know, we've done it. We understand what the rules are, how it's working this time. Because I didn't mind season eight. I think a lot of other people didn't like season eight as much, but I didn't mind it too much. Um, And I'd like to see where they're going in season nine. We really, me and you should at some point do a Pathfinder society so that we have a really good way to compare. This is what Dungeons and Dragons is doing with their living campaign adventure league thing. But this is what Pathfinder is doing with their, because they put a lot of work into their, their Pathfinder Society events and living campaign stuff and adventure path stuff and all that mm-hmm. stuff too. So it'd be a good contrast to see. Yeah, that would be interesting. Or just Pathfinder Second Edition and D and D Fifth Edition. Like I don't, I I have yeah. not done a lot of Pathfinder stuff. So maybe that's something we'll do in the future. But yeah, we'll have to see. That so. brings us to about the end of our show. I want to say thank you to everybody in chat for chatting with us and having a good time. Uh, again. Uh, liking, subscribing, sharing, and all that stuff is really awesome. So thank you. We're trying to get to mm-hmm. a thousand subscribers still, so it's really great. Um, all of the growth that we've had so far. So thank you. Um, anything else we need to say before we bow out of here? Nope, that's it. Go to, go to the comments and uh, oh hey, tag us in Twitter and show us a picture of your favorite dice set. We just heard about George oh, at the yeah. beginning how good his dice set was. So tag us in Twitter and show us some of those pictures of those cool dice you guys are rolling around. And if you want to see those dice, they're on Instagram. uh, So you can follow (laughs) me on Instagram. But thank you guys so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.